0: Māori Party supporters in Rotorua were in disbelief and dismay last night as they watched their party ousted from Parliament.
1: If the membership believe that I'm the right person or they want something fresh or they want to have the Tahi come through, then they will make that decision at that time. I believe that uh, we need to be paving the way for our young people to come
2: through. I think that in losing us, we've lost the conscience of, of Parliament, certainly for our people, um, and I, I think that maybe our people will never realise what they've lost until, uh, until uh, the, the dust settles in the next couple of years or so.
0: Kia ora e te iwi, Ko Emil Donovan Toku Ingoa, no mai hitetai pito pito. And what a difference three years can make. Are the Māori Party back from the brink? After losing all seven Māori seats to Labour in 2017, Bawari Waititi is set to win the Waiariki electorate
2: by a hair. We stand on the shoulder of, of, of our <laughs> tipun of giants, but we carry the dreams and aspirations of our tamariki mogopuna.
1: The Māori Party's doubled its MPs to two after confirming its victory in the close-run seat of Waiariki and increasing its party vote. Oh my gosh, I don't um, think I've buzzed as much
2: since I um, gave birth to my first child, so <laughs> I'm really, really thrilled. Now I know how a it feels
0: on the mind. <laughs> <laughs> the Māori Party is back in Parliament, becoming just the second party to reclaim seats in the House a single term after they were booted out. So how did they do it? What will the party's priorities be, and can it stay there?
1: This is my advice to all aspiring Māori politicians. If you wear a cowboy hat, you can guarantee yourself 50% of the vote automatically.
0: Annabelle Matha is the executive producer of The Hui.
1: To use a Trumpism, it's tremendous. Um, and I think you're right. I think it's been overshadowed by Labour's incredible performance in the election. But if you look at it, they're actually the only party who managed to take a seat off Labour in the Waiariki with um, Tamati Coffee uh, missing out to Rawiri Waititi. If you were to tell me a year ago that the Māori Party would have two MPs back in Parliament, I probably wouldn't have believed it. I think very few of us in the Māori media space held much hope that they might be able to return back to Parliament, particularly because by the time they they were ejected in 2014, they only held one electorate seat. So the infrastructure had largely melted away from its peak in, in 2008 when they had five MPs in with them. Um, with Rahu there so it's it's nothing short of remarkable that they've been able to get two MPs back in after three years in the political wilderness.
0: I, I feel like one of the challenges of a political party that gets voted out of office is to think it's nothing that we did; it's the voters who are wrong. Do you think that there was a level of introspection about what had gone wrong, why mm. they didn't make it back in?
1: Well. Initially it appeared that they didn't because, you know, you'll recall the interviews that Marama Fox did at the time and she was uh, really angry with um, Māori voters. What I think the whānau have done is they've gone back to the mothership, they've gone back like a, beated, a beaten wife to um, the abuser who has abused this gun, our people over and over again. But I think in fact Māori had voted strategically and... They were ho-ha with um, with the Maori Party over their relationship with National. So while I, I think that certainly in the the weeks and months after there wasn't, there didn't seem to be publicly a lot of introspection going on. Clearly, there has been, and we've also seen a real change in the the governance. Uh, leadership of the Māori Party so we now have um, people like Shay Wilson who's the President. Uh, of course Kapua Smith is here and she's been there for a very long time.
0: Kapua Smith is the Māori Party's Vice President.
1: But we see a, a new generation um, taking the reins and clearly they were acutely aware of the reasons why Māori had fallen out of love with the Māori Party and they've worked very quickly to change their approach to distance themselves from national and also to disavow themselves of of that relationship and that during the debate series that we held for the hui if we tried to challenge them on on the Maori party's track record with national they said that wasn't us mm. that that was that was before that wasn't that wasn't us and i mean it's difficult to argue with that so i think they they realized what the issues were and they worked quickly to change their policies and their approach to be essentially what Maori wanted to hear from them
0: now, before we go any further, a very quick history lesson. The Māori Party was born in 2004. The Labour government of the day passed legislation which essentially extinguished Māori rights to contest ownership of seabed and foreshore in court. This outraged many Māori, including then-Minister and Labour Party member Tariana Turia.
1: We have to look to people like Tariana, who have the courage to say to these people in here, You can't
2: push me around. I have my people behind me.
0: Turia resigned from Labour and formed the Māori Party along with then-university lecturer Peter Sharples. The party contested the 2005 election and won four out of the seven Māori seats but chose to stay in opposition rather than form a coalition with the Labour Party. In 2008, the Māori Party once again won four seats but this time chose to support the John Key-led national government It continued to support National in 2011 and 2014, a controversial decision given Māori overwhelmingly vote for Labour. But the party reasoned at the time that it was better for Māori to have a seat at the table rather than festering in opposition.
1: So Māori were hurt and angry. They felt betrayed. They'd been very loyal to Labour. So when the Māori party came into Parliament, I don't think there was an expectation from Māori voters that they would go Into government, they wanted Maori on the crossbenches to voice their concerns, to hold um, both major parties to account. So, when um, I think possibly the first relationship with National, I don't think that Maori were particularly worried about it. But over the um, the course of the key government, we saw um, the rise in, in in homelessness inequity, low wages, far no struggling and and of course Maori held the government responsible for that and so the association with the Maori Party was very, very damaging for the Maori Party and they couldn't vote out national, but they could vote out the Maori Party. Maori voters aren't necessarily motivated by holding power in government. I think The Māori seats are less about power and more about voice and representation. They want representatives who will be able to express the concerns, the rage, the aspirations of Māori unfettered. And by continuing to go back to that relationship and not listen to the concerns of Māori, the Māori Party really eroded um, the confidence of voters.
0: What did go wrong?
1: Perhaps being seen as being too closely aligned with advocating for the aspirations of Ewe leadership, rather than grassroots Maori, mm-hmm. rather than being very outspoken about the issues that were impact- impacting grassroots Maori, you know, in a very real way. So income, housing, health, all of those issues. The interesting thing is that last time that Māori's Labour MPs took themselves off the list.
2: Well, today, Labour has announced its electorate to do or die for its MPs in the seats. None of their Māori electorate MPs or candidates will have list places. Labour currently holds six of the seven Māori seats.
1: They put Māori voters in a position of it's all or nothing. You either give us your electorate vote and, and we get in, or you don't, and we won't be there. So they kind of backed Māori voters into a into a corner, you could say, but it, it worked, it was very successful, and we saw them take all the, the Māori seats again. So I think the approach that the Māori Party took was... Was a, a really interesting contrast to it because instead of kind of backing Maori voters into a corner, they're like, you can have two for the price of one. More MPs, not 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 you know, do or die. More and more. So you know, I think they took the whole MMP, more Maori in Parliament approach, and it, and it worked really well. Mm. And I do wonder if perhaps um, uh, you know there was criticism of Labor last time for taking that approach. But it made sense and it did end up working. In some ways, I wonder if it would have worked better this time because Māori could see that Labour obviously had really strong party support. So perhaps if they'd run that line again this time, we may not have seen tamati Lose Waikiki. Who's to, who's to say? I think you know, Edward is a pretty phenomenal candidate. It was going to be hard for whoever ran against him. But um, yeah, it's certainly interesting the way both Māori politicians and Māori voters um, use MMP strategically.
0: Labor swept the Māori seats in 2017. It did not repeat that this year. Mm. Is that more down to the Māori Party or to Labor? Do you think does Labor have something to answer for?
1: I think it's a combination of both. I think Māori voters obviously overwhelmingly support Labour. We can see that in the party vote. But I think there's frustration from Māori voters over the incrementalist approach over issues that our communities really care about, the lack of progress, or publicly at least, the perception of the lack of progress at, at Ihumatao, mm. um the PM not going to visit there, the implementation of a two-tier welfare system, the ongoing issues with inequity in the health system. There's been very, very slow progress in those areas. So I, I do wonder if perhaps Labour had been quicker out of the blocks, a bit braver too on Māori issues, if that seat would have flipped back to Rawiri. Um, Having said that, I think that Rawadi is a phenomenal candidate who really reflects the values of the Waiariki seat. He is a Ringatu minister, the Ringatu church established by Te Koti, you know, infamous Māori freedom fighter, so there's all of the meaning that goes along with that. He's a native speaker. He's nationally well-known identity on the kapahaka scene. He is manning the front lines for iwi checkpoints um, during the COVID lockdown. So he represents the values and aspirations of, of a new generation of Māori, Māori who want to return to their iwi and work in their service. You know, a man with the deal, a man with a mataora, a, mata a full-face moko, you know, a father, a husband, um, an iwi man.
0: A cowboy hat?
1: He, I tell you what, this is my advice to all aspiring Māori politicians. If you wear a cowboy hat, you can guarantee yourself, like, just 50% of the vote automatically, basically. Ask Dover Samuels, truly. Special votes confirmed Rawari Waititi in the seat of Waiariki, the only electorate seat that the Labour Party lost. And with 1.2% of the party vote, he gets a friend in Parliament, dragging in co-leader Debbie Wapaka over the line.
0: We've talked a little bit about Rawari Waititi. Joining Rawari in Parliament will be Debbie Wapaka. Tell me a bit about her.
1: In truth, I didn't know very much about Debbie at all until she was announced as a candidate. She strikes me as being, you know, quite a remarkable woman. She is someone who can walk easily in te ao Pākehā and te ao Māori. Mm. She has a marketing background, she's worked for TVNZ, she's worked for telecom, she did a master's degree in Tasmania, she studied at Stanford and then took a group of tamariki over with her to learn about coding. She's someone who works very easily in both worlds, but I think she has a couple of things that are really that really add to her skill set one is that she has a long history of in local government in herle so she understands the pragmatism required to be an effective politician she also understands what it means to you know t- to campaign and campaign hard and she also has incredible environmental chops and i think in the past and the Maori Party, they haven't been particularly strong when it comes to issues such as climate change, but again, to use that term, she is very much a grassroots leader on that. She's been um you know very outspoken a very outspoken opponent on seabed mining and hurdle here so I think um she is a great mix of being someone who can walk and tell pakeha, but someone with a with a very strong tangible track record. Um, within her Māori community.
2: For me, the Māori Party, uh, they they ran a pretty good campaign. I think it was a campaign of two halves. That's Scott Campbell, a former journalist
0: in the political gallery who now runs his own PR agency.
2: I think the back end of the campaign was probably better than the front end for me. When they started on the election campaign, they were after the real um, activist vote, so... Um, everything was racist, whether it was the health system, whether it was the police, whether it was far no water. What whatever um, they could talk about was racist, and in some ways that I guess garnered a bit of support in the activist voice. And there is that vote out there in Maoridom, but what the Maori Party had done since two thousand and five was actually start to appeal to a different Maori voter, the ones who are um, who are probably sitting somewhere between the two major parties and had been looking for a vehicle and they had gone with the Māori Party. And I think what we saw on the back end of this election campaign is actually the Māori Party start to go back to targeting them. I think that's where they actually they did run a good campaign. They were right to go after um, the Wairiki seat because that was the one that was uh, probably most vulnerable for Labour. Uh, And I think what you have seen is that it was a good campaign, or at at least Māori want the Māori voice, because that party vote, something that they didn't even look for, um, the party vote got them across the line with another MP.
0: Chatting to people about this topic, I've heard several different people um, level the, I guess the sort of almost the accusation that the Māori Party needed to shed its baggage from its time in government with national and to focus more on progressing things for Māori as a whole rather than iwi leadership. Do you think that there is something to that? Do you agree with that?
2: Look, I think it's a fair um, assumption for people to make and I think it's a worthy um, thing to be considering because, yeah, I think you're, you're right, the iwi leaders... Uh, had a you know a direct dial to um prime minister john key for, for a number of years and um uh the national party uh used that body uh almost as their pseudo uh Maori caucus uh and the Maori Party was sort of just wrapped up uh within that. So I, I think it was, you know, and, and politicians will often say that um, you know, three years in the wilderness is a good opportunity to have a good look at yourself. And um I think the Maori Party did the right thing in yeah like you said shredding a little bit of of uh of the baggage that they had they brought in a new president and chay wilson and he's an amazing operator uh on the marai. And just by by his personality he is political because he's uh he's a great operator um he engages well with people uh and then you had um john tamihiru who's been around the traps for a long time so he was always going to be controversial and then you have some really strong skilled people who are coming up through the ranks and i'm really pleased that Debbie Natiwapeka has been elected to Parliament because she is going to be um, a great MP, uh, and I would to also. He'll he'll do wonders for um for Maori inside there, at least in being able to talk. Whether or not they can turn that into tangible outcomes for Maori, that is their challenge.
0: Scott, are you a Simpsons fan? You a fan of the Simpsons? Uh, I've watched a few episodes of my days. <laughs> there's a good there's a good Simpsons meme that does the rounds, which is a principal Skinner. Am I so out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I feel like that can be sort of a temptation for political parties when they get voted out of office, is to, to think we did nothing wrong, it's the electorate who made the mistake. D- do you think that there has been an element of introspection and accepting that something went wrong and, and moving to correct that among the Māori Party?
2: Yeah, I absolutely do, um, and, and and it was the right thing to happen. And I think um, you know Tuda or Flavel um, after the after his sort of couple of months of being away from Parliament uh, and his opportunity sort of to look inside, um, we'll probably agree with that statement as well. Let's not forget that the Māori Party came to power on the back of the Foreshore and Seabed Act, so it had a really clear mandate uh, and focus to try and go and ruffle some feathers inside Parliament. Uh, and they did a good job of that, uh, particularly over the first two terms. And then once they got into government, people can, I think, quite rightly question whether or not they lost their way a little bit. Uh, The three years outside of it gave them an opportunity to go, where are we needing to focus? And they had a great line throughout the campaign, which was, we will be unapologetically Maori voice. Uh, And I think that that that's probably what got them there. At the end of the day, Take nothing away from the Labour Party MPs and the Māori caucus in Labour. They are strong uh, and they will have an impact and they've got great cabinet positions, but they are still Labour MPs. Uh, And so that is the, I guess that's what Mori have shown in this election is that we also want to have that really strong Māori voice uh, as well.
0: I mean, the way that the chips have fallen in Labour's overwhelming dominance um, in the party vote leaves the Māori Party, it seems in a weird position, they're kind of sitting in opposition really, aren't they? I mean, where do you see them sitting in the Parliament?
2: Yeah, well, um, they're not in a government, uh, so they don't have the same sort of arrangement as what um, the Green Party does. I think that what you'll see is that that they will be, um, well, they they just naturally are more aligned to Labour and the Greens, uh, and, you know, one of the things that I did hear during the campaign was that Māori voted strategically uh, and voted for their candidate being the Māori Party uh, MP, uh, and then they party voted Green. Uh, and so, you know, I think that there will be a, a joining of the Māori Party alongside the Green Party. Uh, but then what I would hope to see happens is that the Māori caucus inside Labour actually reaches out to the Māori Party uh, and, and at least consults with them uh, and brings them inside the tent. It can only be a good thing. The The risk for the Māori Party is that they're not seen to achieve anything for the next three years. You know, that, that, they they are at a real risk of that simply because of where they sit. You're right, they're in the crossbenches. They're not part of the government. They're not really an ally to national or to act. Uh, so they're sort of in, in their own little world in the middle. I think they will say that that probably suits them fine. Because uh, they'll then just have the ability to talk as Māori, not as anybody else.
0: Koina te ra mo te nera. ko Emil Donovan Te tai pito pito is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Ko Jeremy Ansel, te kai pu kaha. Alexia Russell, take high ho to Akumihi kia Annabel Lee Matha, Roa ko Scott Campbell. He ka